0: My name's Rob. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's on my heart to talk about this act of confession. Uh, the Bible talks about confession a lot. Confession is is really telling God and sometimes telling people something you've done wrong that you need to be forgiven for. It's acknowledging a responsibility of wrongdoing, and if you're like me, you don't like doing this. Anybody? Just it's not a habit that we love to admit when we've been wrong. We love to say the words, "I've sinned." We love doing this. It's not human nature to do this, even though it is a tremendous gift. And I hope by the time I'm done here, I'll, I'll have done some work to help you see that, that confessing is actually a great gift from the Lord and will do good in the world and in your life. One of the times I felt most uh, like I wanted to hide from responsibility was in high school. And though many of us live like that throughout all of high school, I was just thinking about one particular instance um, my friends and I would stand at this one end of a hallway in my high school that 's out in Vernon, which doesn 't exist anymore. Uh, they bulldozed it. I think I feel like they're trying to race my past uh, one day i 'm going to show up and be, people will be like, "Who are you? my name's Rob Belfour we don 't know Rob Belfour. No." Anyhow, um, we were at the end of the hallway that had these doors that went outside, and beside the doors were these big windows with that metal webbing meshing on the inside, so those security fire doors, and so we were horsing around. I was probably in grade 10, and um, I remember shoving one person, and that person flew into somebody else, which was the kid that I wanted to pick on, and... So there's a confession too. I did do that. I shouldn't have. But um, he hit kid number two, and kid number two went flying towards the window and gave it an elbow smash, and the entire thing shattered. But was held together by the webbing. But the glass window (coughs) just—it was destroyed. And in half a second, there were no more teenagers in that hall anymore. There's this thing about, like, a broken window and you gone. You know, it was like the Fast and the Furious sneaker edition. And we were just out of there and gone. And so I just spent most of the rest of that lunch hour, because that happened pretty early on, just walking. Because I wanted to appear like I had never even been on the level three corridor window before. I've just been walking. Oh, something got broken, you say? Was it a door? No. Was it in the bathroom? I just you know, want to be completely gone from any kind of responsibility from this. And I think I pretty much got away with it because we were all gone before the teacher stuck his head out the classroom door to find the window. And because I was like... The, the first shover, but there were two flying bodies before somebody hit the window. I, you know, Nobody totally knew what was going on there. But as you can kind of imagine, I'm wandering the halls and I'm thinking a couple things. It's like, oh, what do I do? And that sense of like guilty, guilt was coming on because who was responsible for the broken window? This guy, right? And then you get that kind of hunted feeling. Like you, every teenage, every teacher you see, and they're kind of walking towards your direction. Like, is this it? Is this? Th- are they going to say, "Sorry, we have hidden cameras that you didn't know about, and we we know as you." Like that hunted feeling, walking around this hunted feeling. Like, oh, is somebody going to snitch? You know, is that first guy I shoved going to tell the second guy, and that guy's going to go and tell the principal? And the, it, it went, you know, and you've got the, the, the axe over your neck and feeling guilty, and then trying to hide. And I was doing the whole routine. Anybody been there before? So I just I just kind of decided in the moment, I was like, well, I'm probably sunk, so I might as well just go and own it. And So I went up to the office and told the lady there that I needed to tell the principal. And I'm sure I was sweating bullets, and I'm sure that I had long defeated my, any deodorant I might have been wearing that day and just kind of had a pig pen odor going on. And so I told the, the lady, the secretary was like, what do you need? I, I, I broke the window, I need it, blah, blah, blah. And the great thing was, is the principal finally came out and he, and he said, you know, what he and I'm responsible for breaking the window. I, I shoved a kid and he flew into another guy and it was awesome, but it was bad. And you know, um, and it was really funny because he just said, oh, okay, well, th- it good that you told me. We might ask you to pay for some of it. And then and then I think he forgot because I'm sure he didn't know who I was, and nothing happened of it because I went and confessed and owned up, and in the moment he's like, okay, thanks for letting me know something might happen, and then nothing happened after that. And so there's a story, and this is just this is just life, but going and dealing with it by confession first actually did a lot of things. Number one, I didn't have that hunted feeling anymore, because I actually told the person I was afraid of, the principal. I didn't have that guilty feeling anymore, because it was his job to punish me if I was going to get punished, and his job to remember my name if you wanted to punish me you know what i mean like you write down your name before you leave never asked never said it out so i had handed over to the person responsible for for dealing with me that responsibility and then from there nothing happened that's the gift of confession so what i want to do this morning is i'm going to pray and then we're going to read through three scriptures to kind of just think through how to do confession well and ways that it can actually be really powerful and healing in your life but would you pray with me this is a this is a big topic nobody likes to feel exposed nobody likes to feel guilty nobody wants to um, get hauled up on the gallows to get feeling like they're going to get hanged in front of people this can be uncomfortable so why don't we just pray and give those feelings to the lord give those worries to the lord but why don't we pray that god will do great work to set us free in jesus name amen So, Father, here we are, your people. Father, you're the just judge, and you know everything, and nobody can hide anything from you. But through Jesus Christ, you promise that you'll forgive when we come to you. And when we confess to you and to others, Lord, you're gracious and good. And so, Lord, would you help me to be a true servant of the word? And I pray you'd help each one of us. Lord, I expect that you're going to be touching people's consciences as I speak. And I pray each one of us would respond with faith. And not be robbed of the freedom that comes with walking in the light and confessing. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. Three scriptures that are about kind of acknowledging the truth, acknowledging wrongdoing. And that can lead us into doing this well. The first story, I want to go to the end of the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is following the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a really bad dude. He persecuted the church. He hated the name of Jesus. And then one day Jesus confronted him and struck him blind and told him that he was going to serve him from now on. And Paul turned around and became one of the most zealous Christians in all time and ended up being used by the Holy Spirit to write just under half of the New Testament. And Paul is told at one time later on in his life that he's going to be arrested When he goes to Jerusalem and he's going to have to testify in front of the Roman emperor. And so, Paul in Acts, in chapter 23, where we're starting, he has been arrested and he's going to the Jewish council to go and state the case. They wanted to kill him, they tried to stone him, he was rescued, and now he's going to go and kind of um, plead his case here as the Romans are trying to figure out what's going on. And we need to remember. Paul is dealing with the body that condemned Jesus. And there may actually be people at this council who voted to have Jesus crucified some years earlier. I don't know for sure, but it's possible. Maybe somebody does know for sure, but I wasn't able to clinch it. But this is the same governing body that condemned Christ and handed him over to Pilate. So not good dudes. And so this is what the scripture says. And looking intently, starting verse 1, at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? And those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that, you, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Okay, this is the thing that is crazy about this story. Paul is 100% in the right He's been wrongfully struck by these bad people, but when somebody points out, hey, that's the high priest, Paul repents and confesses. Oops, I shouldn't have done that. And what this story shows me is that when it comes to confessing, the first reason that we confess is because of God. Not because of people, not because of feelings, not to try to manipulate situations. We confess when we've done something wrong in God's sight. Because if there was ever a situation, hello, where somebody shouldn't have had to apologize, this was it. Paul is literally the apostle of Jesus. He has literally been serving Christ with faith and doing good and raising people from the dead and writing scripture for years. And here he is in front of this court and he's about to bless them by talking about Jesus. And when he says the truth, I have served God with my life. They commanded to get slapped in the face. Is he wronged? Anybody? Yeah, he's been wronged. And so when he speaks out and says, why did you do that? You have totally, how are you supposed to not hypocritically judge me when you strike me for telling the truth? But then somebody says, hey, you're rebuking the high priest. And all of a sudden, it doesn't really matter to Paul whether or not he's being wronged. It only matters that he has just broken a commandment of God. And so he confesses. Now one of the things here is Paul says, I didn't know, and that's probably true. It looks like from Scripture that Paul was incredibly short-sighted and nearly blind. So he, if I did this, you know, if somebody yelled at the back and said, Rob, you're an idiot, and I would have said, that's probably true. Just joking, you know. I say, how dare you say that to me? And then you say, Rob, that's your, that's your wife. <laughs> you know. Oh, right. The Bible says, don't be mean to your wife. You know. So yeah, you just that's the thing. I'm just kidding, Jackie. You're, you're wonderful. You've never said that. Do you hear what I'm saying here? Like, if there were a time where Paul could just say, I, I don't need, like, I don't need to repent. These guys are evil God-haters who are beating people up in court wrongly. And instead he's like, oh, I see that I have done something that doesn't please the Lord. I confess that I just did it, and I'm going to stop. This is the first thing, and this is one of the tricks of learning how to do confession well. We're confessing to God. Even when we might admit things to people, it's about the Lord. Because one of the things, you know, when, when it comes to admitting you're wrong, one of the reasons you don't want to admit you're, you're doing something wrong can be pride, right? You, I want to admit that I'm pr- Well, God already knows. So we're not defending ourselves. Sometimes you feel like, well, if I admit that I did something wrong, they're going to come after me and then they're just going to not leave me alone and, and then they're going to really rail into me or they're really going to kick me in the pants. or You know, we can be so worried about people when it comes to these things. But Paul is confessing wrongdoing to evil people in the midst of their evil, but it's not about them. I this just, just blows my mind. And it's also a really good example of why it's good to know some scripture. Because Paul is right there pulling out the Bible. Oh, I shouldn't have done that because God's word says this. And if he didn't know God's word, what would he be doing? He'd be sinning but not knowing it. That's one of the reasons why we study God's Word, so that we actually can... Ah, yes, it's true. I just sinned against God when I did that. The human heart in our fallenness, the human heart in our brokenness, the human heart in our old man doesn't want to just quickly own what we've done wrong in God's sight. Instead, we like excuses. Sometimes we like blame shifting well, of course I yelled at that guy. He just hit me in the face. My face is swelling. It's swelling over here. It doesn't hurt so much here. It hurts. Oh, of course, I couldn't control myself because they just, they're so wrong what's going on. There's no excuses. This is crazy. There's no excuses. He just says, you know what God, God's word said I shouldn't have done that. And so, He has a slight excuse his blindness. Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't know that I was rebuking the high priest in the moment, but I'm going to stop now that I know. He's totally owning it. He's taking responsibility. Number one, the reason why we confess is because when you sin against God, you're supposed to acknowledge it, no matter what. And you come to Him and you ask Him for forgiveness. It's not about people and it's not about self-protection and it's not about excuses. Number two, great reason why we confess. Because it really does set our hearts free. In Psalm 32, this is what David writes. The first reason we confess is so that we're acknowledging what's going on before God, we're telling the truth, we're saying we care about the Lord. Reason number two is it really does set our hearts free. This is what David says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So this is what this psalm is about. He's singing praise to God that you can be forgiven. Blessed is the person whose sins aren't counted against them. When you mess up before God, he forgets it. You're all covered. How blessed is it to be forgiven? That's what this psalm is about. In verse 3, though, he says this, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was dried up as by summer heat. And I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So David is praising God because you can be forgiven. But he says, this is my experience. For a while, I kept silent. For a while, I didn't say anything. For a while, I was Rob on the run, going through this level of the school and hiding from the, oh, I saw a teacher, so turning around and going the other way, you know, ooh, there's a, there's a check stop on the road. I don't want to get busted for anything. Let's take a dirt road 18 miles around. You know, he was, he was in hiding. And his experience was that while he was hiding from confessing his sin, he was feeling low, he was feeling sick, he felt like he was wasting away, he was groaning, he was uncomfortable, and he even admits that it was God himself who was making life uncomfortable for him. And God will do that. When God wants to set someone free, He will make the hiding more and more uncomfortable until we come to deal with Him. When God wants to set someone free, He will make the hard heart more and more uncomfortable until we go, This is not worth it anymore. The worry and the guilt and the conscience being pierced and the fear that someone will find out, it's not worth it anymore. And behind that discomfort and pain and life falling apart is the hand of a loving God that wants to bring us home. After David talks about confessing his iniquity, he says, and you forgave my sin and says, therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at the time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. How can you tell if you have something to confess? This is the question. Do you feel like God is someone you need to hide from? Or do you feel like God is someone you get to hide in? Do you feel like God is someone you need to keep yourself safe from? Or do you feel like God is someone you get to be safe in? And if you aren't walking in that God is my safety, of course I go and confess to Him. He's he's the one who preserves me. He's the one who keeps me. I don't want to keep anything from Him. He's my safety. He's my security. If that's not your walk, then you just walk back in the psalm and you go... Maybe there's something I covered that needs to be uncovered. Maybe there's something I'm hiding that needs to come into the light because I'm not thinking right about God. If I'm not praising Him, You are the God who's forgiven my sin. You are the God who protects me. When the waters of life, when the troubles I fear for walking in the life come, they will not overwhelm me because now I've made You my protector. And this is just such a great picture of the mercies of God. When we sin... Who do we sin against? We sin against God. David said elsewhere in a psalm that he wrote after he had one of his best friends killed because he wanted to sleep with that guy's wife. He says, against you and you alone have I sinned, God. That's the whole thing that makes it a sin, is that there is a good and holy God who judges our hearts. If there were no God, there'd be no sin. Amen? When's the last time you saw a cat eat a bird and the cops show up and put the cat... You know, with some tan cuffs, and then you take the cat to cat jail, and then there's like six months later, there's cat court, and you'd be like, So were you hopped up on the catnip when you took on that bird? What were you thinking? That's a robin. They make blue eggs. You don't kill birds with blue eggs. You know, and the other cats there judging. Well, they actually did a good job. You know, no, you can't have cats judge cats because they don't care about anything. You need the dogs in there. Dogs are loving. Dogs are good. Dogs never mean to kill anything except for the mean ones. And so, you know, Nobody cares. If there is no God, there's no right and wrong. Just do, do whatever you want. Do whatever you can get away with. But you know what? Our consciences and our hearts know that's not true. Every time we get struck, oh, I did something wrong, that testifies that there is a God that we want to and need to be right with. And this holy God is so good that He sent His own Son, Jesus, to be the Rescuer, to be the Savior, to come and to take in His body on the cross... The punishment that we actually richly deserved unto death. And then God raised him from the dead to be the source of forgiveness and freedom and restoration for everyone who will come to God. Anyone and everyone who can come to God, if you will come to him through Jesus, you will be forgiven. And you can have the same experience of going, my life is ruined because of what I've done and I never want to talk about it. And you can be transformed all the way into the biggest source of praise saying, I can't believe that God is so forgiving and loves me so much. And it's true. And we call that message the gospel, the good news. But this is one of the reasons why confession is so important. It really does set your heart free. Thirdly, I want to go to the book of Daniel. We confess because it's right to do it to God. We confess because it honors God to tell the truth and to acknowledge it and to change. We confess because it really does set our hearts free because we live in a world where when we're hiding and covering, when we keep secrets, they make us sick. That's just how it is. And we confess because God responds by changing things when we do this. Now, if you've been in the book of Daniel lately, you know that it's got some very interesting chapters. But one of the chapters that's pretty easy to understand is chapter 9. And Daniel has been serving in the highest levels of government for years and years. He's, I think, on his third emperor by now with Darius. And he, he's in exile Remember, God has judged Israel for its centuries of being unfaithful to him, and he sent the people into exile, and Daniel's there serving the government in exile. And he realizes, as he's reading Jeremiah, I'm assuming, that the 70 years of their exile is coming up, and it's time God promised after 70 years that he'd bring back a remnant. And he begins to pray. And I, and I want to read some of his prayer, and I want us to be sensitive to the confession that Daniel is doing. But one of the things that's wild about this is that Daniel is one of the most righteous people who has ever lived. One of the most faithful and faith-filled. His enemies tried to find fault with him and could not find in him doing like prime minister level work. He couldn't find one thing wrong with him except that he prayed all the time. You remember that? they got him thrown in the lions den because he prayed and they made the king. So Daniel is working for bad dudes. He's working for the kinds of emperors who make laws such as you can't pray to anybody but me for a month. <laughs> Psycho. And he's working for these guys and he he's praying and so this is his only fault is that he won't stop praying. Like that's a fault. Okay? So Daniel's not like me where I Produce my own things to confess about hourly on a good day. And this is what Daniel says. this is starting in verse three he says, "And I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes and I prayed to the Lord my God, and made confession, saying,O oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with, the, with those who love him and keep His commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turning aside from your commandments and rules, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in." your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belong righteousness, but to us open shame, as to this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those who are near, and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you've driven them, because of their treachery that they committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings and our princes, to our fathers, because we've sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against Him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in His laws, which He set before us by servants the prophets. And He goes on for another ten verses-ish. And he prays again in verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people who become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and and here, open your ears and see our desolations in the city that's called by your name. And he goes on from there. Daniel does this humongous confession of sin to the Lord to plead for his people. And you know what? Daniel doesn't have a ton of sins to add to that list, but he's coming as a representation representative of his old people he's taking responsibility for his whole people in prayer and he's saying god we have deserved every bad thing that you have done to us and even now we don't even deserve anything but please be merciful forgive make your face shine upon us have mercy on us he's doing a gigantic confession to the lord In verse 20 it says this, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice, and he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy a word went out and I have come to tell you tell it to you for you are greatly loved therefore consider the word and understand the vision okay so here is Daniel weeping and sackcloth lamenting confessing sin that's Daniel's experience what's happening in heaven as soon as he started praying God started acting And he comes to him because Daniel is greatly loved. Daniel's not talking about somebody who's like he's somebody who's greatly loved. Daniel's not on Facebook talking about how greatly loved and lovable he is. He's not out there demanding that he feels anything. He's confessing his sins, and what's happening? Well, he's confessing. The angels are running around doing stuff because God loves Daniel so much. Ch- he's changing history by confessing his sin in prayer. Anybody? Somebody? He's out there telling God how terrible they are and God is in heaven changing everything for a humble people who acknowledge the truth and who unburden their hearts so they're not trapped in feeling guilty but are free with faith towards the Lord acknowledging that God is right. You know, sometimes recently I've been thinking that one of the reasons why we're so slow to change is because we don't know the power of confessing. We maybe realize we've done something wrong and right away we just turn to wanting to do better without doing the spiritual groundwork of going before the Lord and saying, this is true. I'm angry. This is true. I lust. This is true. I'm greedy. This is true. I'm afraid. This is true. Uh, I sin against you in all these ways. And then, you know, sometimes we can just do a little bit of confessing, you know, just put our toe in the water of confession, and you only get toenail wet when you're, you're as free as you confess, and you change as much as you confess, and you're You're as righteous as you confess and we don't think, I want to be in the water, not just in the water, under the water. I want to grab some big stones and put them in my pockets and go right down to the bottom of finding God's grace through Confession Lake. Daniel didn't leave anything unconfessed in his prayer and everything changed. And I just I just think like this is a mindset maybe that we need to just start working on in our heads. Actually, the more confession there is, the more power there is. What does that rub up against in our heart? Isn't it some pride? Anybody? That That's for me. It's almost always pride. I don't need that much grace because that sounds like it's going to cost me some humility instead of we need as much grace as we can get our hands on. Like, Holy Spirit, convict me of more. <laughs> Uh-oh. I was telling Jackie before this message. It's like, we were in our room, and I was just like, I, I don't. Uh, this is one of those messages where, ah, uh, you know, it's like bathing all your clothing and gasoline and then going to a marble man's convention. <laughs> like, it's just your toast, you know what I mean? Like, this is just, just nobody come over to my house for a week while I recover, but even that, like there's a fear, like somehow if God comes to lead me in righteousness, that it, it's gonna cost more than you gain. You know, I'm I'm even afraid of the goodness of God coming and saying, I want to set you free. Like you heard me, I just did it. That I was just that was faith waste right there. Amen? So Thank you guys for listening. Maybe I'll invite the band to come up. But why don't we lay hold of the Lord by faith? If anything's been coming up for you to confess, why don't we start? And just as the band begins to play, let's verbalize it before the Lord and acknowledge it. And if it involves someone else, I encourage you with, with all I can. Don't you want to be free? Yeah? Then Go. And tr- trust God. Trust God with the consequences. Uh, short little story. We were at one of Jackie's cousin's houses for dinner last night, and two nights ago, and they were telling us this story about a guy who's a pastor in town now. When he was really younger, he was he w- was I guess out with a gun of some kind, and he shot the light out of one of his neighbor's houses. I, I guess an exterior light, and it was Jackie's cousin's dad. And this guy, so he wasn't in a great place in life, shooting at the neighbor's house, as you can imagine. That's not good, even out in Kleefeld, and, um, where it happened. And as he was older, he, he felt like God was kind of making the joy go away, making the excitement go away. And he sought the Lord. He said, why, why do I feel so distant from you? And he felt like the Holy Spirit reminded him that he'd done this and that he should go and confess it. And as the story goes, there we were hearing this from Jackie's cousin. She was saying, I remembered this season when someone was ringing our doorbell and there'd be nobody there. And it was happening over and over and over again. Someone would ring our doorbell and there was nobody there. And my dad was getting so mad. And we they found out later that it was this guy trying to go and confess what he'd done. But he would ring the doorbell and get scared and run off. So it's like, so It's so crazy. I hate Nicky, Nicky, Dinedor. Well, it's somebody trying to get the courage to to confess what they... Yeah, I shot out your light. Now, eventually, they wrote out a letter, and they were going to go deliver the letter, and then the door opened up before they rang the doorbell so that they didn't just leave the letter in the door. But you know what? They got free. And Jackie's uncle was really gracious, as you would be. If someone came to you five years later, and I'm sorry for shooting out your light, you'd just laugh. And you'd be like, that is an honorable thing for you to do, to come and admit this, and so... It's hard. It's scary. It's tough. It it works against our pride. It works against our fears. But there is so much freedom in Jesus. If you confess to God in faith, if you confess to others by faith in Jesus, it is impossible that God would wrong you in how things turn out. It may not be easy, may not be quick, may not be subtle, but it is impossible that the Father who sacrificed his son to bring forgiveness to sinners, that he would not cherish your acts of faith to reach out and admit a wrongdoing for the glory of God. It's an it's an unthinkable thought. It's impossible that God will not be proud of you for doing it. It's impossible that the Father would not be proud of you for reaching out to acknowledge a wrong for His sake and for His kingdom and to do good to others. It's impossible. God is faithful. And in Psalm 32, we learned already, He will come to be your protector and your Savior as you do this. He will rise up to show love and faithfulness and to restore back to you anything that may have been lost. Amen. So why don't we come and confess and walk with God in this journey of growing in this skill. Father, let's stand up, church. Father, you have given us the cross of Jesus to acknowledge our sin and wrongdoing at with full confidence of your grace. As we acknowledge, Lord, what might be on our conscience this morning, would you do the work of leading us into true freedom. And Father, if we don't feel free this morning, I pray instead of quitting, we would press in. We would press in until we have everything you have bought for us in Jesus. Let's talk to the Lord, church.